Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the JRPG Report. In fact, this is episode 260. My name is Dalton Suter, and joining me, as always, is my good buddy. Hey, it's Mikhail from Team Retro. Sorry for the delay in getting this episode out. Life be crazy, my friend. Yeah, I started my new job. Um, I am now an employee of Coca-Cola, Florida, so that's fun. Uh I've been learning the ins and outs of that and, you know, working out and uh, waking up far earlier than I'm used to. So that's been that's been uh, taking it out of me, but I'll make it work because it seems like a good opportunity and a good career and it pays well. So I'm, I'm here for it. And the benefits are and what's up. You got to keep the lights on. That too. That's the important part. Yes, I do have to keep the lights on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, what you been up to? So work stuff child stuff aside uh my wife and i decided to be a little bit reckless and so we both have new cars that's what's up yeah so her car was on its way out and my car i haven't been happy with it since i got it and and it was pretty much paid off so we just both went to a subaru dealership and just said hey you know let's let's go big or go home and make these cars last us long enough for us to be able to hand one of them off to the kid when he turned 16 and so we did that it was probably irresponsible but whatever we did it and other than that uh i've been playing uh quite a bit of final fantasy 14 with uh one mr dalton yeah <coughs> uh, you you poured that drink back in my cup <clears throat> you make it sound like i got you re-addicted to crack you kind of did. I guess. I mean, I, I it, quit playing that game, stopped spending money on it. I was done with it. And just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. There's enough to do in that game to where, at least for me personally, with my busy lifestyle, if there is no other game that I can pick up that day then I will at least be able to run a dungeon before bed or at the very least just go kill a couple enemies and fates. It's basically a nice, quick dopamine hit in a busy world. I can get that. That said, I am probably going to play it a little less because I do just have other games that I want to play, uh, especially one that might be coming out this week that Honestly, and I didn't talk to you about this off the air, but it's a possible good idea. But there is a game that I know that you're interested in that you really want to buy that's coming out this week that I almost wonder if uh, we should talk about it on a Sunday special someday. Star Ocean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not? Absolutely. I would be 100% down for that. Yeah. I mean, I would say let's both take it easy on it and like not rush it. But like when we both beat it, we'll just talk about it i'm gonna be honest with you with yeah. the way work is and having to do steam machine i can't rush it yeah so no it'll be all right <laughs> that that should be your uh, uh i wish i could say is that game coming up for switch uh that's a good question where's my article about it and i will let you know i was gonna say I, we, we might as well start with that since we're already getting into article stuff oh this is such a long article with a lot of pictures hold on i'm still scrolling this is a longer yes 
All right. It, Official artwork and sprite artwork, though. I'm actually I'm moving this to the top of the list since we're talking about it anyway, so we might as well just talk about it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but it is coming out for <clears throat> PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Switch, PC. I recommend that you get it for Switch because with your uh, current job setup, you might be able to uh, bring it with you for like lunch breaks. Or like right before bread or yeah, right before bread. Yeah. Right before you have some bread. <laughs> right before bed or something like that. So that way you're you're not tethered to your PC and you could just kinda like play it for like twenty minutes when you get a chance. It's not a bad idea. Mm. I've also been considering a Steam deck. Have you? Uh once but I wanna I wanna save some money before I start making decisions like that. Yeah. Plus with something like that. I hate to say it, but I almost recommend getting the more expensive one just because the screen is better. Or I would come but, to you and find out, like, what's a good handheld for me? What's one with a big screen yeah. that I'll be able to see that will run the things I want it to run? I don't need it to run Cyberpunk. No, but you don't get these handheld things to run crap like that. Some people do, and then they get their two hours of battery life or whatever. But most people get this stuff to run, like, the indie games. Or stuff that they want to get out of the way, but they know they're not going to be near a computer for. Like, I know it's a Steam Deck is a very decent Skyrim machine. I don't know how well mods would run on that because it was really hard to get Morrowind running with mods on the Steam Deck. Uh, but yeah, there no, are you, you hand- had a heck of a time with that. Yeah, but I have Windows handhelds that I could just run Wabajack and it wouldn't be a problem at all. So there's... You know, when you get some money saved up and you're able to actually afford to make a choice like that, I shouldn't say it that way. My bad. When you're actually able to make a no, choice like I that. Mean, it's true. <laughs> I I know. I don't, I don't want to throw your business out there for the viewers. But yeah, when it, let's just put it this way. Whenever you're ready, we'll find one that matches what you're looking for. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we could talk about that another time. Yeah, exactly. But well, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and roll into this article since we uh, we already brought up the game itself. Um, so, publisher Square Enix and developer Jim Drops have released the launch trailer for the action RPG remake Star Ocean: The Second Story R, as well as details on the rest of the game's party, the Ten Wise Men, Assault Actions, and New Game Plus. So, this article that I did retweet, by the way, if you would like to look at this for yourself, does go into the details of some characters and their sprites. Uh, quick overviews. There's Bowman Jean, an expert pharmacist and advice giver from Linga, a man from Linga who runs a pharmacy, and his wife, Nene. He supports his friends with vast knowledge using his martial arts, Kui Gong, and medical concoctions in combat. And there's Leon D.S. Giste, a young genius re- researching symbology weapons, a young prodigy who works on symbology weapons with his parents and kingdoms Laosir, uh, or the kingdom of Laosir, excuse me. A gifted symbologist, he casts darkness, water, and void magic to support his party from the rear. And there are many others that I'm scrolling past because I want to get to more of the game stuff. There's a ton of comments for this article, too. Like, people are invested in this game. Hold on, now I'm confused. Oh, okay, yeah. Extra feature, assault actions. I started seeing characters from other Star Ocean games. I'm like, wait a minute. Cameos from Uh, across the series defeat past heroes to obtain their powers. Okay, that's cool. With the new Assault action feature, protagonists from previous entries in the Star Ocean series come to your aid. Acquiring special in-game items called Jewels grant you the ability to summon each character. 
There are a number of different ways to acquire the jewels. Search high and low to see if you can find them. And then it has the pictures of, uh, looks like the main character from Star Ocean uh, Till the End of Time, Star Ocean Last Hope, Star Ocean Integrity and Faithlessness, or Faithfulness, whatever it was. And then the two main characters from the newest Star Ocean game. And it also looks like maybe the character from the first game. Interesting. They all look good. They're summons, though, so they're not permanent party members. Yeah, but still cool, though. They're still cool. Like an ode to the series. Uh, and then the, yeah. the New Game Plus, now even easier to play, so you can reach all the different endings. In Star Ocean, the second story R, you can select New Game Plus from the title screen if you have a save file after defeating the final boss. This allows you to start a new game whilst carrying over items and some other aspects from your first playthrough. You can use a save file with either Claude or Rinna as the protagonist and choose either protagonist for the New Game Plus playthrough. Here are the things that carry over. Player level, SP and BP, and skill level. Acquisition and upgrade status of skills. Weapons, armor, and accessories. FOL, which I believe is the currency. Key items and all other items. Friendship levels from each character and completion rate of all encyclopedias, etc. The things that will not carry over. Your status unlocks of fast travel points. Signard acquisition status. Private action progress. Treasure chest acquisition status. Key items related to the story and some other items. Status of pickpocket usage, in which arts and spells are equipped, etc. Star Ocean the second. Which means you have to like redo your whole character. Which I guess that's fine because don't you meet characters through through the course of the game? So if you were to get them again and have them all equipped with their stuff, it might be weird. Uh, looks like tw- yeah, there are twelve possible characters to include in your story. Okay. And the game's got like eighty something endings or some stupid amount. Hence the new game plus. Yes, sir. Did it always have 80-something endings? Even on the PlayStation 1. Wow. All right. I've never played this game before, and I'm going to buy it day one. Yeah, dude. I'm stoked for it. Especially, like, the the paladin-looking guy who also looks like RoboCop at the same time. Uh, There's also... Oh, okay. I was going to say, there's a cameo character here that looks really cool. Um, I don't know anything about the series, but he's got, like, blonde hair, and he basically, uh, he looks like a, a spaceship pilot. He's got, like, futuristic-looking boots. He's got, like, basically the whole bottom half looks very, looks robotic, and the top half is just, like, a black shirt. He just looks cool. Yeah, he does. So, coming out this week. Coming out, yeah. I was, I was going to get to that, and then but I forgot. Uh, the Yeah, I scrolled away from it because I was looking at the other characters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They are they are awesome looking. <clears throat> Star Ocean, the second story, R is due out for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC via Steam on November 2nd worldwide. A demo with transferable save data is available now. So check that out and keep your eyes peeled. We are almost there. Heck yeah. All right. So with that. How do you want to split this next one? I will take the next two because they're both Final Fantasy fourteen related, and you know how much I'm into Final Fantasy fourteen right now. So, Final Fantasy XIV's Fan Fest reveals massive Dawn Trail changes. So, this is from Inverse. Final Fantasy XIV's long-awaited Dawn Trail expansion is due out in the summer of 2024, marking the Biggest update since the epic of Hydaelyn and Zodiac ended. Uh, 
With Dawn Trail, Final Fantasy XIV sets off for a whole new continent in the wake of world-changing events of Endwalker. The most important information thus far came during the October 2023 Final Fantasy XIV Fan Festival in London, offering a glimpse of how the MMO will evolve after including its first 10-year story arc. Following the expansion's reveal at the U.S. Fan Festival, Square Enix gave players a first look at the update's new class, its settings, new raids and dungeons, upcoming collaborations, and more. So here are the biggest reveals from the Fan Festival 2023 in London, starting with the new job, Viper, which I am super, super hyped for. This class is going to be my main when Dawn Trail hits. Yeah, Viper looks awesome. The biggest takeaway from FanFest was the new job, the Viper. We learned earlier this year that the expansion will also get a magical DPS job, but that hasn't been revealed yet. As for the Viper, it's a melee DPS job that uses twin swords, which can be fused into one long blade for certain attacks, which is what really made me go crazy for this class because it wasn't just the fact that they were dual wielding swords but the fact that they took the two swords linked them together and now all of a sudden they're darth maul (laughs) dude yeah the the trailer for it really made it look like they can go ham now i do try to remind myself that in the end it's still going to be final fantasy 14 combat Mm -hmm. so but i feel like Final Fantasy XIV combat is more about pushing a button and see how cool your character looks versus anything else. So you're going to push a button and your character is going to do some cool stuff with the with two swords. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to feel like I can't think of a comparison game where you're uh, maybe 16 where you're like doing combos and stuff like that. But or uh Jedi Fallen Order, where you're probably doing combos and it's more of an action type thing. Like, you're still... You're still going to be playing Final Fantasy fourteen, but it is going to look cool. So... Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I think that's the only new job, right? Or they just haven't announced another one yet? So... The article says there's going to be a magical DPS job as well. It just hasn't been revealed yet. I think... Based on uh, some stuff that may have happened that we just haven't gotten to yet in the main story, a green mage was hinted. What is a green mage? So green mage was introduced in tactics, I think, advance. And it was just a rename for the geomancer job. So it's kind of a... How do I explain it? I think where you get your, like poisons and your status-based bio things like that and bio and and stuff like that i think that's all green mages like i I, correct me if i'm wrong if you're listening to this um use whatever social media platform of choice to please correct me but i believe green mage is all about like pulling stuff from the land and so you could get like your heels and your status effects and stuff like that. I was secretly hoping for like time mage because there is no way to cast a spell like haste in this game. And I would just love to be able to like manipulate time like that. Yeah. But 
the rumors are the rumors are it's going to be uh spoiler alert it's going to be creel who gets the new job in the main story and it potentially might be green mage but unfortunately that's all speculation at this point um the only confirmed job we have right now is is viper so they did say uh that the Viper job is not based on an existing Final Fantasy class. They said they would like to explore original ideas for jobs in the future, so it's likely the magical DPS job will also be unique. Dawn Trial will add Final Fantasy XIV's second limited job as well. Like the Blue Mage, this new limited job will be subject to party restrictions that keep it from grouping with random players for most content. There were no details about what the job would be, but it was set to come in the second half of Dawn Trail, so we're not can getting I, that right away. Can I make you a bet? What's that? I'll give you one of two classes I bet that that's going to be. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. Beastmaster? Okay. Or Puppet Master? Those are both tactics jobs, right? Well, possibly. I know them from Final Fantasy XI. Okay. But Beastmaster was a solo player's dream if you could get the right pet. Okay. And then Puppet Master was the same thing later on, but you used puppets instead of Charming Beasts. Okay. You'll you'll find out eventually. I told you I'm going to get that game for you one of these days. <laughs> one of these days. We'll dive back in time for a while. Yeah. We'll have to take a month and do it. I don't know if I'd be able to have the stamina for more than a month of you never know. old you, school MMO. You might like it because it's, it's, ve- it's very streamlined compared to what it used to be. Okay. Like, especially now, like, you can get these, I don't remember what they're called, but you can summon them. Basically, instead of looking for a party, you can summon these NPCs that are your party. Okay. So, me and you could go out there and then summon people and then have, you know, a, it, it would be fun. Okay. It's worth a shot. It, now, it doesn't take place in Aorzea, right? It's a different world. Vanadil. Okay. That's right. I should have known that. Uh, anyway. Getting back to the story here, um, Dawn Trail takes players to the new continent of Tural. The recent FanFest cl- offered a closer look at a few key locations in Tural that will be open to explore in the expansion. First, there's Tula. I should have pre-read this. Tulial, the new capital city for the expansion. A short intro shows the city surrounded by lush vegetation and teeming with the hum of insects. Situated on the coast, it has a bustling port out front with buildings arranged around the dock and a massive fortress located a little further inland. Two new areas were also revealed. Kazamayuka is a tropical region in southern Tural. Its defining feature is a series of waterfalls that pour from massive stone cliffs in the region. (laughs) Some of Shaloni was also, also shown, though parts are still kept secret as some landscape features will play into the story of Dawn Trail. What we did see included a vast desert scrubland full of railroad tracks, which were apparently used to transport ceruleum from deposits found there. And they're showing that uh, some of the dungeons are going to be a mix of jungle terrain and high-tech facilities that have to do with the ceruleum deposits. Um, Speaking of Vanadil. Yeah. The name Echoes of Vanadil should ring some bells for fans of Final Fantasy's first MMO, Final Fantasy XI. 
While Square Enix didn't reveal anything that will f- be found in the Raid series, it will be a crossover with Final Fantasy XI taking place in its world of Vanadiel. See, you need you need backstory. All the more oh, reason. Damn. damn it, Dalton. <laughs> I can only take one drug at a time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to figure that out before sometime before the summer. The first ally tribe revealed for Dawn Trail is the Moblins, a close cousin of Eorzea's goblins with a very similar appearance. They're skilled at trade and crafting, so they'll likely tie into disciples of the Hand and Land instead of combat jobs. Mobs, moblins live in the Kazuma, Ka, ugh, Kazamayuka area revealed during FanFest, and they're actually species that appeared previously in Final Fantasy XI, so they could have some connection to the new Raid series as well. Uh, and then a new trailer introduced Final Fantasy XIV's upcoming crossover with Final Fantasy XVI, The Path Infernal. Footage shows players facing off against that game's version of Ifrit. Even more excitingly, the collaboration will bring Final Fantasy XVI's goodest boy Torgal to Final Fantasy XIV. Clive's beloved pup will be available both as a mount and a minion, along with Clive's armor set. Both versions of Torgal will be available as a rewards for playing the crossover event, which I believe is coming after the holidays. That'd be cool, right around my birthday. So, I don't know that you need to play Final Fantasy 16 to play the crossover event, but who cares? You get you get a puppy mount, exactly. and the puppy I, mount is very cute. That's what I'm worried about, it's the mount. Yeah, that that's all I want is the mount. However, having said that, October 31st is going to see the Fall Guys collaboration event. (laughs) Running for two months until December 31st. In this event, players can participate in Blunderville shows located in the Gold Saucer, which feature levels from the Fall Guys game replicated to Final Fantasy XIV. A trailer released last week showcases the combination of the levels using Final Fantasy XIV effects like the Area of Effect markers and creatures like Typhon. Participating in these shows will give players Manderville Gold Saucer fame. These funds could be exchanged for prizes, including new minions such as the Penguin and Pink Bean, various cosmetics including the Coveted Crown, and furniture featuring Fall Guys obstacle course pieces. In order to access the event, players will need to have reached at least level 15 and completed one of the three main scenario quests, which give them access to the Manderville Gold Saucer. Following that, they must also complete the It Could, the complete the it could Happen to You quest. Then they can begin the event during the period by starting the Just Crowning Around quest. More details, including the full list of rewards, can be found on the Lodestone. The Fall Guys side of the collaboration has already ended. Final Fantasy XIV is available on PS4, PS5, and PC. The yearly All Saints Wake event will be running concurrently for some of the event period. Um, So one last thing about Final Fantasy XIV is, yeah, there's currently an All Saints Wake period, and I think that's going to run till about November 13th or so. I wonder what the rewards are for that. uh, I'm looking at at it right now, actually. Because it linked me to another Gamatsu article. Uh, two full glamour sets the clown and the wake doctor okay i think i already have the wake doctor i don't have the clown one though that's cool 
So, so I got to do that at some point. I opened an article that I'm going to read that I saw on a sidebar that came out yesterday that no one seemed to report on, but I'm going to read it anyway. Okay, go for it. Because it's relevant. So, Final Fantasy XI changed what an MMO could be, right? Before Eorzea, there was Vanadiel. Final Fantasy XIV is one of the most popular MMORPGs in the world with over one million daily players. But it might not if it weren't for Final Fantasy XI, which came to North America on October 28th, 2003. This game's still out, by the way. You can still play it. 2003. I, I first played this game on a PlayStation 2 with the yeah. weird connector in the back. Wow. And playing it today, it's clear the game operates with a totally different toolkit from modern games. Even Final Fantasy XIV pays tribute to its scrappier older sibling from time to time with a reoccurring event that brings a character from Final Fantasy XI into Eorzea. With the Dawn Trail, or with the launch of Dawn Trail, we'll see a much more significant crossover as the Echoes of Vanadiel raid series introduces an entire quest line based on the older MMO. To put things into perspective, Final Fantasy XI released when only around 664 million people around the world had access to internet according to Our World and Data, compared to the more than 2 billion at Final Fantasy XIV's launch. Online console games were still in their infancy, and Final Fantasy XI was the first game to allow PC and console players to play together. But Final Fantasy XI is more than an artifact of note to Final Fantasy XIV players. Final Fantasy XI received the last expansion, or its last expansion, excuse me, in 2020, and it had been five years since the previous one at that point. Despite that, the 21-year-old game still has plenty of dedicated fans, the website MMO Populations estimates that it has around 14,000 daily players at the time of this writing. And there are no plans to shut down servers, even after Square Enix announced an end to major updates earlier this year. While some players may hang on for nostalgia's sake, there's clearly, clearly more to the game than that. Final Fantasy XI stood out as a, at launch by focusing much more on its story than other popular MMOs of the era, like EverQuest and RuneScape. Final Fantasy games have always put their stories first, but bringing that into an online game was revolutionary we want to create a world that has feeling of con continuity premised on a culture and society that is constructed in participation with the players executive producer hiromichi tanaka said in 2002 in an interview for the game's launch in japan shared by schmupulations a site that translates old interviews from out-of-print japanese magazines as opposed to final fantasy 14 which you can explore largely as a single-player game final fantasy 11 forces players to cooperate at every turn while later updates let players fly solo far more often, the game was impossible to play alone at launch. 100%. You had wow. you had to find people to run parties with for uh, dune farming. I loved dune farming. Oh, my goodness. In a paper... And how did you find people? Slash shout. Or there was a... Uh, slash shout. There was a... You could put your party flag up. And then there was like a searching for party menu that you could go in. And you would see different people with flags up. So, like, for instance, if you were a white mage or a bard or a corsair or a red mage, typically those, uh, as soon as you put your flag up, you would just start getting whispers. Want, oh, crap. Want to join party? Want to join party? Want to join party? Want to join party? Because those were super sought after p people because bards could buff people. That was a That was a bard's job. They were support. They played songs just and they buffed the party. Wow. So they were literally just strict. I mean, they could do healers. a little bit of damage, but yeah. their their job was to like cast haste on the tank or you know, wow. cast haste on DPS or uh you know, cast things that would weaken the enemy. Like they were they were a support quest. Wow. In a paper presented 
at the Meaningful Play 2018 conference, researcher Nicholas Lalone argues that making social interaction and cooperation necessary for players to advance helped prevent a toxic culture from taking hold. But, as World of Warcraft became more popular in adding features making interactions both less necessary and more automated, like Dungeon Finder, which lets players form groups without the need to communicate, Final Fantasy XI followed suit and made solo play much more viable to, uh, to account for a lack of new players. By the time Final Fantasy XIV came around, a philosophy that encouraged solo play was already baked into its design. And though the necessity to work with other players has been reduced, Final Fantasy XI is ultimately still a game built with its community in its mind. It's fostered a welcoming player base as a result, something that Final Fantasy XIV has also achieved. Maybe more than anything else, that's why some players still cling to Final Fantasy XI even 21 years later. I'm not aware of whether Final Fantasy XI contributed anything that stood out compared to other MMORPGs, producer Akihiko Matsui told GameSpot in 2022. But if I had to name something, I'd say that it brought Final Fantasy to MMORPGs. In other words, it established a style of games that strongly emphasizes narrative and includes cutscenes as a part of the experience and even make the other players wait for the game to start. That humble response aside, Final Fantasy XI paved the way for XIV's even greater focus on story. Shades of XI can be even seen in Final Fantasy XII. The most obvious is the Gambit system, which allows for players to set an AI routine for companions, offering a taste of the feeling of controlling one character in a party of other players. Hunt quests, which challenge the players to track down specific powerful monsters for rewards, also mirror the notorious monsters in Final Fantasy XI which spawned under particular conditions and offered greater, offered greater rewards than typical foes. I hunted many a NM, camped them for a long time trying to get drops for a certain gear, dude. My goodness. But what makes Final Fantasy XI special isn't its influences on other games. How it stands on its own is how it, uh, or excuse me, it's how it stands on its own. Final Fantasy XI has one foot in old school MMOs with their focus on grinding and player-driven worlds while introducing a story that's been unmatched by anything except Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy XI may be past its prime, but it remains an online world unlike any other. With the echoes of Vanadio event bringing, back, bringing it back into the conversation, maybe there's even a chance for it to shine again. You think that uh, having this raid in Final Fantasy XIV is going to actually drive people to want to play the original XI? I bet it'll drive some people back just for the nostalgia factor of it. Gotcha. I don't know if it'll bring everybody back, but it'd be cool. It might be worth a shot. You might you might have me. So I'll do this quick next one, and then I'll let you cover the uh, the one after that. So just a uh, sure. This was sent to us by Kalarian, I believe, and it was a a tweet from Gamatsu that says Square Enix Asia has just uploaded trailers for an Asian release of Dragon Quest X offline in spring of 2024, which could and that is an asterisk, mm -hmm. mean a Western English release is about to be announced. The Asian trailers only list PS5, PS4, and Steam as platforms, which could indicate that Nintendo is handling the publishing of the Switch version outside of Japan, as it sometimes does with Dragon Quest titles. The Switch version of uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2 was published by Nintendo outside of Japan, despite launching simultaneously on PS4, which was published by Square Enix. <laughs> Square Enix's Western trailers and PR never mentioned the Switch version. This is all speculation, purely speculation, but stay tuned. I mean, there has to be a story there that's worth experimenting with, or not experimenting with, but worth exploring if they're willing to entertain an offline version. Yeah, I don't know. 
it'll be interesting for sure. I can't wait to see. I mean, it's the one Dragon Quest we don't have. Yeah. Here in the States. The Speaking one. of which, I still need to play 11. 11 is long, but worth your time. Mm, I gotta do it. It's gonna happen. What do you think? Baldur's Gate 3 or Dragon Quest 11? If I were to start a game tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> you don't know. No, I don't know. They're both really good. Oh, um, no. Depends on what kind of story you're looking for. I don't know. For the, pur- for the purposes of this show, Dragon Quest Eleven. Okay. I can, <laughs> I can get behind that. All right, so I'm going to have to flip a coin. I'll, uh, I'll have you take this next one. All right. It's the uh, Saga Frontier one, right? Mm-hmm. Saga Frontier character designer... Mention Saga Frontier 2 re-release in 2024. Tomomi Kobayashi, who handled character designs for a number of Saga games, including Saga Frontier and Saga Frontier 2, published a post on her blog today that mentioned a re-release of Saga Frontier 2 in 2024, long before being edited to exclude the... I don't know why I said long, before being edited to exclude the mention. Earlier today, the end of the blog post included the following text. Oh, that's right. It looks like Saga Frontier 2 is maybe, question mark, going to be released next year. My illustrations are in the game. I hope you can look forward to it. The blog post itself is about Romancing Saga Orchestra Festival 2023, which held its Tokyo and Fukuoka concerts on October 15th and 22nd, respectively, and will come to Osaka on November 19th. Square Enix already re-released the original Saga Frontier as Saga Frontier Remastered for PS4, Switch, PC via Steam, iOS via App Store, and Android via Google Play on April 15th, 2021, but has yet to announce the same treatment for its sequel. This is is the game you told me that I should check out, right? The original Saga Frontier? Oh, it's a great game. Yeah. I have it on Steam, so yeah, okay. Yeah, but two... So we could be getting two next year, but no. We're basing this on a blog post that was also based on something that they were told to take down. So (laughs) who knows? Yeah, there's no telling. All right. There's no telling. I'll, I'll cover this next one. All right. So Sega has revealed that the early September 2023 NGS headline stream that it will hold a Spriggan crossover in PS02 New Genesis in October 2023. Oh, you know what? This is already over. This is an old article. Silicon Era, you have failed me again. I'm closing that. Next one. During Square Enix's voices for Valestia panel at PAX West 2023, producer Naoka Yoshida teased the Final Fantasy 16 PC port and DLC. There will be two add-ons released. Both of them will be paid. Also, the PC port, as he has mentioned before, is in development. There was no insight about what to expect from the DLC, so it is uncertain if there will be new stories or other sorts of experiences. No insights came up for what the PS what the excuse me what the PC port could entail either. However, we did learn about some of the add-ons coming to the game. There is a free update. Uh, that arrived in September, and anyone with the game will see the new content. In addition to some general fixes, five characters will be getting new looks in the patch. In addition, 
there will be a new weapon glamour feature when in effect it can look like Clive is using any of his swords with the one that he has equipped. Final Fantasy 16 and all of this is available for the PlayStation 5 alongside the free demo and uh, I am patiently waiting for that PC release. Patiently, patiently waiting. I feel like we're patiently waiting for a lot of stuff these days. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff in, the, in, in development that looks real good like this next two games that we're going to talk about. So... With Final Fantasy 16, you're actually hyped for that particular game to come out on PC? Like, you're ready for it? I would like to play it, eventually. Okay. I will kind of tell you, it's it did lose me kind of early on. And I have a buddy that beat it, and he's kind of mad about it. But, but a lot of people felt that way about 15, and I really like 15. This is true. I like 15 until the ending. I haven't beat it. Like, the actual gameplay, I won't spoil it for you then, but the actual gameplay of 15 is great, but the story is a little is a little bit to be desired. I got you. But anyway, let's, uh, let's move on here. Armed Fantasia and Penny Blood Kickstarter update shares concept art. A new development diary appeared for the twin Kickstarter for JRPGs Armed Fantasia and Penny Blood, including concept art for a transforming weapon and a wind-powered monster. The Armed Fantasia update is written by Hikori Ishii, while Matsuyu Machida penned the one for Penny Blood. In the section for Armed Fantasia... Ishii mainly described development continuing on the story, with new dungeon gimmicks and UI elements being developed. Ishii commented that the response from B-Tribe Digital Studio, which is working on the 3D designs, has been swift, and that he thinks the last boss is, quote, really cute. (laughs) He (laughs) He also included some concept art of a mechanical katana weapon, with a short video of its transforming animation, which he promises will have impressive effects added later. Mashida's section began by discussing negotiations with publishers in a post-pandemic industry, which he described as being in a slump. He also introduced a Halloween-themed piece by illustrator Kato Miyako, a concept designed for fusion monster called Ronin the Mad Tempest Knight, which he described as a more support-oriented monster akin to a bard class, appeared too. Finally, he elaborated on the Greyhound racetrack area depicted on the final piece of concept art, which is inspired by 1920s America. Party member Luca, who could transform into a wolf, will take part in these races as training, where Machida unanimously remarked that he won't only be racing against other dogs. Yoshitaka Hitora, lead composer for Penny Blood, also left a message delving into his thoughts on the importance of sound lists. He announced that he was planning a YouTube stream for October 29th, which is today, where he'll be working on music for the game. And there is concept art in the gallery linked uh, to this article. Armed Fantasia and Penny Blood are new projects featuring development staff from classic games Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts. The project's double Kickstarter campaign finished successfully in 2022, and the team's have been releasing monthly development diaries since. Armed Fantasia and Penny Blood are being developed for PC, Xbox, and PS5, with Penny Blood scheduled for a spring 2025 release. 
And you can find more updates on the game's Kickstarter page, which is linked to the article. You know, 2025. I remember having a conversation in the JRPG Report Discord, um, which tune until the end of the show and you can find out how to join that. Uh, we were having a conversation about, I was saying, I really wanted a, a good goth style JRPG. And I believe it was Shadow Hearts that they were like, well, you should check out the Shadow Hearts games because that's pretty much what you're looking for. And not long after we had that conversation, Penny Blood was announced. Wow. And I was like, well, <laughs> that looks rad. Yeah, but it sounds like they've been working on it for a while. So it's probably one of those games that people are really looking forward to, but it's not coming right away. I And then also, like, uh, Armed Fantasia looks fantastic. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, they both sound like great games. It's just... Are they going to continue to garner interest if they're not releasing till 2025? I mean, that's kind of a long haul. Yeah, but again, I am very much one of those people, like, take your time with your game. This is true. Like, if you, it's like Nintendo's look on it that I read the article the other day where, like, Nintendo doesn't rush publishers because they're like, we want it to be good. And if you notice Nintendo's track record of games being awesome, they typically are. They typically are. So, you know. All right, one that might have uh, our buddy Kalarian's ears peak, uh, uh, perk up a little bit. RPG Maker with the newly announced Switch entry in the role-playing game creation tool series will launch both physically and digitally in 2024 in Japan. Gotcha Gotcha Games has announced, and the first information and screenshots were also released. The RPG Maker series is a long-running series that began in 1990, acting as a game construction tool that allows you to create games without programming. In Japan, the series has been known as RPG Sukuru, but the name has since been unified worldwide as the RPG Maker series. And the latest entry is planned for release on Switch. While previous entries of RPG Maker series have been developed for PC, RPG Maker With has been tuned for the controls so that anyone can easily and casually enjoy game creation. With RPG Maker With, you can become a game creator simply by owning a Switch. It is a tool that responds to the needs of a generation of 100 million creators. Game creation can sometimes be lonely, but some users have said that they find it difficult to create games on their own, so RPG Maker With adds a new feature called Asset Sharing that allows everyone to create games together. In previous RPG Maker entries, users were only able to publish completed games, but in RPG Maker With, in addition to publishing completed games, maps and events included in the work-in-progress games can also be published as parts. Parts published by other users can easily be incorporated into your own games. Through this new asset sharing feature, you can create games not only on your own, but also with the rest of the RPG Maker community. RPG Maker With features the following materials at launch, 128 characters and 130 monsters. All sorts of variations and quantities are being prepared. Numerous materials are also planned for release at post-launch additional content. Pause. That is where RPG Maker makes all its money. Like it's an expensive add-on. It's an expensive program, but like, yeah. go look up RPG Maker MV on Steam and and see how much it costs, and then go look at the list of DLC. Doing it right now, eighty bucks just for the game. Yeah, which you can catch it on All sale, right. and it's get it for a good price. But and then let's check, hundred twenty nine dollars for the bundle. Which is, I believe, the game and essential set. Um, 
MV and MZ bundle, which is two games, is $143.98. And 754 DLCs, ranging from $8 to $17, $20. The highest price, there's a $35 one. There, it looks like 35 is the highest price, but I don't even want to imagine how much money you could suck into this thing if you wanted to make a quality RPG. 754 DLCs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All we're closing this. <laughs> it is so much money. That is a lot of money. I mean, and I get the whole, like, you know, wanting to have the most creative ability possible but can you imagine is there somebody out there who has every single one of those dlcs sure i mean i'm sure there are i'm sure there are too even if it was done over time yeah but but that was basically the the end of the article but i just wanted to just point that out that it's like yeah there's a lot they do a lot of post-release content it's pricey but maybe it won't be so bad on the nintendo switch store Uh, but i don't know sure you want to make that claim I don't know. I wish you take this Ugh. next one. All right. Fate Samurai Remnant interview discusses character designs. In an interview with Famitsu, developers from Koi Tecmo and illustrators Takashi Takeuchi and Rei Wataru discuss the early development and character designs of Fate Samurai Remnant. In the discussion, Takeuchi revealed that Tamamo area's inclusion was because they wanted to debut the Tamamo nine characters one at a time in various games. Ko Shibusawa, a producer and creator at Koi Tecmo, wanted to make a fake game with Type Moon due to his love for Fate Grand Order. He's a big fan of the Shimosa chapter. Takayusha stated that a Shimosa-like setting would be ideal if Type Moon and Koi Tecmo would make a game together, so they created Fate Samurai Remnant with Shimosa as the foundation. Since the game takes place during the Edo era, Wataro had to design the Masters of Fit into that worldview. For reference, Wataro was the artist in charge of the manga adaptation of Shimosa. He stated that designing Iori was very difficult, and that he initially looked like a warrior's character with a fancy outfit. But the development team wanted him to look like someone who'd fit in with the scenery of Edo Japan. Saber 2 was a challenge for Wataru. Her concept was a black-haired Artoria, but he included elements from other Saber faces. In the end, Saber has much sharper features than the original Artoria. Yet another character that Takeuchi and Wataru remember having difficulties designing was Archer. He reveals his true name quite early in the game, but he's a character that fans of Dynasty Warriors should be familiar with. The inclusion of his character was to make fans feel like, Ah yes, I'm playing a Koi Tecmo game. When Chizuri Mori, Archer's artist, gave Takeuchi the design, Takeuchi was surprised. This is because the version of Archer that appears in Dynasty Warriors isn't this young, but he thought that this sort of juxtaposition was very Fate-like and approved the design. Fate Samurai Remnant is available now on PS4, PS5, Nintendo Switch, and Windows PCs. My interest is peaked because I love Dynasty Warriors. Really? 
I love Dynasty Warriors, and Samurai Warriors is also a blast. We had this conversation before, but you said that you weren't as much of a fan of the crossover games, like Hyrule Warriors and Fire Emblem Warriors and that type of thing. Well, I heard Fire Emblem Warriors was good. I just heard that the Hyrule Warriors games weren't great, and when I played them, they kind of seemed clunky. Got it. Yeah, I think I remember us talking about it, but I have the Age of Calamity. I haven't played it yet. One of these days, I'll get to it, I guess. All right. The new Kazuma Kiryu voice actor, Yong Ye, revealed the Like a Dragon Gaiden English dub for the Yakuza spinoff won't appear until after the game's launch. Perform- the performer noted it will be a post-launch edition, and he also shared a screenshot capture of the official site the- that noted that people will eventually be able to download a patch that adds the additional audio option. Uh, he also pointed out that this Like a Dragon Gaiden English dub situation might not be the case for other upcoming Yakuza titles on his account. He noted that Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth Steam product listing already does note full audio in English, Japanese, and simplified Chinese. It is uncertain how extensive the English dub for the spinoff will be. While we know major characters like Kiryu will be voiced, it is uncertain if we'll get to hear someone like the Obatarian in English speak for the first time. Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name will come out on November 9th, 2023. It's 10 days from now. It is. And people will be able to play the new Yakuza game on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Windows PC. Oh, no. Uh, it comes up. You're you're early enough in the Yakuza series, though, that you, you you're okay not getting this right away. Yeah, I know. But still, I I totally get it. It's like, man. All right, I'll let you cover the the rebirth news. Oh, rebirth! Another game I'm super hyped for. So there's a new Final Fantasy VII Rebirth video that shows off three quests. Square Enix showed off new footage of the quest bulletin board spread out across the world of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, revealing three of the quests that players could take on. Quests will allow players to access all available requests in the town without having to go speak to the NPC associated with that quest. That's good gameplay. That's good gameplay. The social media post featuring the video explains that Cloud is a jack-of-all-trades, which allows him to accept all sorts of job requests from people in need around the world map. The short video of the quest bulletin board shows Cloud accessing the board in Calm, a quaint town on the outskirts of Midgar. Although there are more boards set up across the map to make locating new quests easier for players. The footage of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth's quest bulletin boards can be viewed below. The three quests listed on the board include the following, which have been translated from the Japanese text. Stolen Rare Card. Client Master Losing in a Row. Location Calm. I lost at Queen's Blood, and my most important rare card was taken. Please, can someone get it back for me? Calm's Lifeline. Client's the Mayor. A transportation pipe is the lifeline of our precious Mako tank. The damage seems to be from a monster. Can somebody please give me an emergency repair? A monster that attacks livestock. The client is a farmer who loves nature. I'm in trouble because my livestock have been attacked by monsters. At this rate, I might go out of business. If you have any skill in tracking, can you please help me out? Recently, Square Enix showed off the Remnowave Towers and Chadley for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. 
Square Enix also announced a new English voice actor for Vincent Valentine in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth at New York Comic Con 2023. Which was Matt Mercer. Nice. He's he's a very well-known yeah. voice actor. He's done all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth will come out on the PS5 February 29, 2024. The exclusivity deal with Sony ends on May 29, 2024. Remake is currently available to play on the PS4, PS5, and PC. And the rumor I heard was Rebirth is going to be a June-slash-July PC release. I'd be, I'd be cool with it. Take that with a grain of salt. I... Uh, I heard I heard that from somebody in the Retro Handhelds Discord who's playing Remake right now on a handheld. And he's waiting for it to come out on PC because he wants to play Rebirth on the same handheld. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna skip that next one that we had because it's a okay. it's a mobile game. Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, and then we'll run through these last two that are both Atlas. Atlas has released new information and screenshots for Persona Five Tactica, detailing quests and new game plus. Additionally, Atlas Japan has posted the third trailer for the game, which you can find below in this article, which I did retweet. Persona Five Tactica is set to release on November seventeenth. For PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC, the Repaint Your Heart Challenge DLC is also included in the Digital Deluxe Edition. And if you want to check out all these screenshots, they look pretty rad, I'm not going to lie. They do. It's really making me want to play this. The replay feature uh, lets you play previously cleared stages at any time. Which is pretty cool as well. Um, in addition, each stage has three bonus challenges you can complete for an award. Try accomplishing objectives such as clear the stage in X turns or clear the stage with no members being KO'd to put your battle smarts to the test and earn the rewards. Uh, after clearing the game, you can start with New Game Plus, which carries over data much like your Persona Compendium. Or, excuse me, carries over data like your Persona. Oh my goodness, I can't talk. Unlocked fusions, nah, that's fine. money, weapons, and more. Use New Game Plus to complete the Persona Compendium or replay on a higher difficulty. Once you clear the game and start New Game Plus, you will unlock a special art as a bonus in the report menu. Uncover, uncover a treasure trove of illustrations, concept art, character designs, and more. Your work isn't finished until you've seen these astounding works. So, I do like how they can, you could replay levels, because that's probably how you grind. Yeah, I would assume And level so. up your characters. Because I just, games like Fire Emblem and all that, like, I just remember the last time I played Fire Emblem Three Houses, which I'm still, I kind of took a break from that game, and I really do need to go back someday. I know I say that about a lot of games. Yeah, Nate sent that to you, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, good for Nate. That's a, it's a good game, don't get me wrong. I have enjoyed it, and I, I enjoyed playing it, and I, I will go back to it. Um, I just stopped when I hit a, a major story point, because I kind of have a feeling that stuff's about to go down. So I wanted to grind my characters. And the only way for me to do that was to like stay on one day and just continuously redo uh, a specific battle over and over again. Cause they, they actually let you do certain battles without progressing the day or the timer and all the, or all that. And I, if I remember correctly, that's how you kind of had to, level up in persona five you had to not progress the day just by staying in mementos and just go out yep. and grind it out and then save and then you're 
always there. You just have to save your game like in the mementos and you're always going to be in that day. Yeah. You could go back and, and grind and whatever. So that's probably how they're they're handling the grind in this game, because how else are you going to do it? You're going to have to either have random encounters or just replay the levels and, and have challenges. So I kind of like it. I think it's a good idea. And I, you know, as long as it can help you level up or get specific personas or stuff like that, I'm, I'm for it. You want me to tackle the last one? Yeah, you can if you'd like. Sure. It's very Persona long, three. so pick through Is it. Is it? I'll, uh, I'll skim it. Persona 3 Reload details new combat uniforms, social stats, dorm life, and schoolmates. Meet the social links that'll help you along the way. Atlas has released new information and screenshots for Persona 3 Reload, introducing the new specialized extracurricular execution squad combat uniform, social stats, dorm life, and schoolmates. Um, Specialized extracurricular execution squad, new C's combat uniform, This remake updates the classic combat uniforms worn by the party members when exploring Tartarus. Check out all new gear art of the protagonist, Yukari Takaba, and Junpei Iori in their new gear. And it just, it kind of goes through the different um, characters in their new outfits. So there's the protagonist who uses Orpheus, um has a one-handed short sword, um, Yukari, who has a bow and arrow, and the her persona is Io, which is a, a priestess in service to the goddess Hera, which is also interesting. Um, Junpei has a two-handed sword, and his persona is Hermes. These are all Greek, Greek mythology personas. I'm thrilled with this. Mm-hmm. And then social stats. As you go about your daily life, you may be challenged to meet a certain standard of aptitude in three social stats, courage, charm, and academics. These can be improved through activities like studying and part-time jobs. Without sufficient social status, you may not be able to use certain facilities or develop social links, so be proactive in self-improvement. Now, they only have three as opposed to Persona 5's five. Yeah. I wonder if they did that on purpose. (laughs) Uh... Well, traveling in the student dormitory, you could spend time with friends in the common areas. Together, you can cook, study for tests, read books, watch movies, tend to a rooftop vegetable garden. This sounds very familiar. And more. Doing so can raise your social stats and teach your friends passive skills called combat characteristics, which you're sure to find useful. By experiencing dorm life together, the protagonist's friends will grow as people. As these bonds go stronger, they may reveal new sides of themselves. And then there's a whole bunch of screenshots of different friends. There's a public computer uh, where you could study with software, gather intel, in addition to raising social stats. You may also learn useful skills for combat and exploration. Um, when you spend time in the dorm fellow students, they may acquire special characteristics with effects like increased critical attack rate, reduced cost for healing skills, and more. There are sure to come in handy during battle, so try to make time for your friends. And life at the high school and being member of C's, you'll get to know all kinds of people. These bonds are called social links, and by raising their reins, you can experience special scenes with them. You'll be able to find a number of fellow students to hang out with after school hours. Interacting with them will also strengthen your persona abilities, so be proactive in building those relationships. Then it, it goes through a bunch of different classmates that are your social 
you know, same as Persona 5, you have certain members of the school that you can interact with and get a more, they're not party members, but you gain stats or, or buffs or whatever by, by spending time with them. And there's a lot of them. So that's why I'm kind of just skimming through them. But you have uh, like a student council treasurer. You have uh, a head of the disciplinary committee and he kind of looks like a, you know, don't mess with me type of person. Uh, manager of the track and field team and a regular member of the track and field team. And then an interesting uh, character known as the Gourmet King. So bunch of socials uh it's, it's got a lot of the same persona vibes i think they definitely implemented a lot of what they learned from persona 5 into this remake so this is going to be due out uh february 2nd 2024 for ps5 xbox ps4 xbox one and pc via steam and microsoft store and it's also going to be on Game Pass, so I will more than likely end up getting it on Game Pass and hope that it doesn't leave Game Pass before I'm done with it, because then <laughs> I'll have to actually buy it on the Microsoft Store, which I'm not excited about. Yeah. So, we, but still we, hype for the game. We all know the Microsoft Store is super reliable. As in not reliable at all? Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally being facetious. <laughs> But listen, if it's if it's a matter of like cloud saving from Xbox to PC, then it is what it is. Hey, that is fair, my good sir. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our news for this week. So if you would like to go and check us out on social media, you can check out the Facebook if you want. It's not very active. Facebook.com slash JRPG report. You can check out the Twitter where I do retweet things or X, whatever you want to call it these days. We are at JRPG report. If you would like to support the show, which would mean a ton to me and help me keep the lights on, patreon.com slash JRPG report. Um, I do want to eventually start the Let's Plays up again. That would be rad. Um, but I don't know. We'll figure something out. If you would do join the Patreon, though, you do get a link um, for the Patreon Discord, JRPG report Patreon town. If you it doesn't automatically send you the link like it's supposed to because this happened to Kana, so I want to bring this up. Um, DM me on Twitter or uh, send me a message on Patreon itself. Like it lets you DM creators. DM me and let me know it doesn't if it doesn't automatically send you the link, and I will send it to you personally because I it's it should and it didn't for some reason. So if that happens, I will gladly send you the link if you would like it. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash JRPG report, and you can get your name read on each and every episode like these wonderful people. Jake W. Jordan K. Kulari and Master Lu Japandi. Or I always say Japandi, but it's Japandi, Japandi, Kana, and the Mysterious Benefactor. I do appreciate each and every single one of you. And uh, if you want to hear more of my voice, check me out over on the Steam Machine Podcast, a bi-weekly PC gaming show where we talk about our backlogs. We play through games. Um, our upcoming games are free horror games for the spooky, spooktober as we call it. Um, and then I have a sneaking suspicion that we are going to be playing something JRPG adjacent here soon. So keep your ears peeled out for that. My good sir, plug your stuff. Team Retrog everywhere. X, YouTube, and I am on the JRPG Discord. I'm on the Steam Machine Discord. 
and I'm on the Retro Handhelds Discord, retrohandhelds.gg if you want to see the couple of articles that I've been writing for the community and also if you want to get into that Discord community because that's where I tend to hang out in between YouTube content and the JRPG report uh, November 4th on the Retro Handhelds Gaming YouTube channel I will be hosting a smash brothers tournament live with members of that community and we did a practice on my channel last week and it was a lot of fun so tune in and see what kind of shenanigans we get into i think that's that's all i got uh hopefully depending on the news and depending on our lives we can get some content out to you a little quicker than we have and just sorry that my life has been such a nightmare that we haven't been able to pull a report together before today. I mean, it hasn't been just yours, bro. So it's all good. <laughs> Life's just been being life. But yeah. that happens. And our listeners are wonderful people, and I'm sure they understand. But until the next episode, everyone, do us a huge, massive, just colossal solid and get back out there and level up. <laughs>